Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 355 of the podcast. I uh, just wrapped it up today here at SF Sketchfest. Uh, I was very lucky to be able to record uh, remotely with Julia Prescott, Maximum Fun's own Julia Prescott, uh, at the Maximum Fun studio. So we did it without being able to look into each other's beautiful eyes. Uh, but it was such a joy. You can check out uh, Julia's uh, wonderful podcast that she also has on the Maximum Fun Network around Springfield. You can follow her at uh, at Julia Prescott on the social medias. And I had such a great time uh, having this conversation. I feel you'll have a great time listening to it. I'm hoping to see some of you at SF Sketchfest. I've said it before. I'll say it again in this intro. It is happening, my friends. If you are listening to this on the day this episode drops, we have opened as of today. Our opening night shows uh, are happening Thursday, January 9th. I will be at Maria Bamford at the Castro Theater tonight. I am so excited to see her beautiful face and her, hear her beautiful comedy. And uh, lots of great shows throughout the next weeks to come. You can go to sfsketchfest.com for more information lots of maximum fun and maximum fun adjacent shows happening so check those out and i will talk to you soon in hollywood yeah hollywood california <laughs> oh, I was talking about Hollywood, Florida. Yeah, I'm sorry. that this is awkward. as well. Okay. I was thinking Paris, <laughs> Texas. <laughs> oh, so many, so very many like highfalutin cities in Europe that have been given. It's, it feels almost like the version of, of kind of the joke that, that, is, that happens. I think it was probably a Twitter meme as well or an Instagram meme, but like all of the places in Los Angeles that are these really crummy. Uh, apartment complexes that have the most oh, yeah, highfalutin absolutely. names and it's yeah. so it feels a little like that like it feels like mm-hmm. no one could have imagined how ironic calling paris texas would be to yeah. call it paris texas <laughs> and yet and and I, I listen no offense to hollywood florida where i don't i mean i'm not sure i've even been there but like like how many places are there in the united states that are named after like a gorgeous city that also have their own beautiful architectural merits i know it makes me think of i used to intern on the fox lot um when i was in college and uh lived with my mom in the valley and so i would drive from north hollywood to fox and take cold water and i remember passing one sign that was like um beverly hills sister city can france and i was like sure (laughs) why not like (laughs) make make that happen (laughs) whatever makes you feel better (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. No, I for, you're right. I forgot, too, that there is that, the sort of like, what's the sister city of Minneapolis? What's but the also, sister city? Like, what's the deal with sister cities? Not to be immediately Jerry Seinfeld, but like, no, <laughs> like it's, it's sort of like the weird sort of godfather, godmother pact. It's like, what do you do? That's right. <laughs> That's what right. What are your responsibilities? <laughs> I do feel like there was, now that you say that, I feel like there was a podcast episode. Every conversation now when someone's trying to remember something involves right. them hearing a podcast that they can no longer define. Um, but I do feel like there was something I heard about, like where that actually came into play, where someone, someone's sister, like, like it was an exchange mm. student situation where someone's sister city was like, the, um, 
there was some sort of exchange student association where you know cool. whereby like these kids from this town went to this town in France because it's a sister city and yeah. it, and and this sister city tried to help out its sister city when th- times were tough. So maybe there is some sort of uh, <laughs> compact, some yeah, contract probably. that. At one that I'm point, not aware of. Yeah, yeah. Though that does feel like a sitcom premise where it's like, you know, um, you know now the sister city's in trouble and we have to go and leap into action and, and save them That's or right. something. Um, and it feels right. so fantastical. Anyway. Let me ask you this. Yes. And of course, coincidentally, I asked this of all my guests. So it's funny you would bring it up. If you were a town, what would your sister city be? Ooh. Um, well... I actually, I think I have a good answer for this. Um, (laughs) I uh, just recently, last September, um, visited Amsterdam for the first time with my husband. And um, it was, uh, I'd never really done the Euro trip thing um, except for Ireland when I was um, 13. And Mm. um, that was like, you know, a a big theater kid trip. So that was its own category. But then uh, we decided to go to London, um, Dublin and Amsterdam. And so Amsterdam was like the last stop on this like three city tour. And the moment we touched ground there, I don't know if it was because it was the last place we were going to and we were so exhausted (laughs) or what, but it was just so clean and beautiful and quaint and you know like you have the canals but then you have these like really historic buildings and I love like a a real like cozy side street with cobblestones (laughs) and there were like you know flowers everywhere it was it was just like everything I wanted people were riding bikes and so I immediately was like well if I wasn't doing this whole Hollywood thing I think we would just uproot and go over there and have a great old time so that's my sister Um, city uh, (laughs) uh, that's a wonderful answer I have to admit to you that I too have not been to Amsterdam other than to change planes in Amsterdam Mm. because it does seem that there are good prices to get yourself from the United States to Amsterdam and then go on to another another place and I it was never an intention for me to sort of skip over Amsterdam except for that Um, but it just hasn't happened yet but I I, I think I'm going to feel the same way just based on everything I know about it as a city mm-hmm. and, and, you know, just photos. And, and also like it, it, I'm, I love Copenhagen uh, a great deal. And I, oh, I've yeah. heard people say like, Oh, there are some similarities between the cities. Yeah. So. I can see that too. And my thing too, and I feel so naive in saying this, but like, you know, the reputation that Amsterdam has when I came back, I was like, and I didn't even try the weed. Like <laughs> that was sort of right. my barometer <laughs> for success. I was like, I didn't even need to be high. I also I don't I think we could have been sex. <laughs> yeah yeah I didn't yeah. even consider it but we were so like running from bus to bus that I was like if we were high this would be terrible um but right. it was well, also, great we live in it. California yeah, yeah I, I'm I sorry know. to interrupt I was I just know. Saying, now that we live in California it is a bit like oh yeah well that's that's not that unusual yeah, now we're getting that's just used what to I do back home just being yeah yeah cannabis everywhere yeah um now couple questions number one did you visit the isn't there a place in amsterdam also and i say also because copenhagen has one that's sort of like this section is where the anarchists live and there's no law oh no i well i didn't even know that that existed over there i mean i will say also my time in amsterdam was very brief um because my priority and i'm not a I'm not ashamed to say this. Um, My priorities traveling usually revolve around some kind of theme park type thing. (laughs) Um, Excellent. 
so I've dragged my husband to Tokyo Disney and Disneyland Paris, and there was this nice. one. It was so great. Um, but there's this one theme park uh, an hour outside of Amsterdam called Efteling, which is like a Disney caliber park. And it's actually been open since the 50s. And so I was like, OK, great, great, great. We can drop down in Amsterdam, the city for like a day and a half, yeah. maybe. And then we got to go to this theme park. <laughs> and so <laughs> okay. and so that's sort of where my yeah. priorities were. But I we did go to the Anne Frank house and we did, you know, experience the culture there. But we didn't get into like a three to four day deep, deep dive, gotcha. but enough of a taste to be like this place rules. Yeah, yeah. Um, I welcome you to go to Copenhagen because Tivoli Gardens uh, is a little amusement park there that Walt Disney was inspired and ripped off, by the way, in several ways. But I think everyone's fine with it. They say the same thing about F telling. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, listen, he probably made the rounds. He uh, was a man that got around. Yeah, yeah, ideas here and there. But definitely recommend that. And it's at it's just right in the middle of the city, so you can sort of do it in an afternoon evening, and then you you, it's not so far out of the way. I've been to Tokyo Disney Sea. I didn't go to Tokyo Disney land or whatever but um but I loved it Disney did you go to Tokyo is amazing. Disney Sea? Oh I mean, my gosh. You're talking to a gal who we walked up to the gate of Tokyo Disney Sea and I inexplicably started tearing up and my nothing about was that like, surprises me and I'm <laughs> yeah. not and I'm not I can't say the same thing didn't happen to me. <laughs> yeah. It's very moving. He goes, "What's going on with you?" I said, "It's just so crazy seeing something I've googled so many times." <laughs> And then it didn't disappoint. We were so we were just amazed by it. <laughs> I just I I cry very easily though. I I cried almost every like live theater to performance. I we just saw Beatles Love in Vegas and uh it was my first time seeing it after like years and years of wanting to and I was like full on weeping at the power oh God, of music. I get it. So, yeah. I get it. My my <laughs> best example that my sort of like go-to example to explain a similar thing about performance is that I cry at parades yeah like over like, like why am i cr- <laughs> like this is a sh- this a, got a bunch of shriners playing like a oompa music but for some reason the fact that they're organized and, love and, and and like carefully marching together and smiling and playing the music and it's live and it's outside that's yeah. all it takes i mean you've you don't hit- get me started on the chinese new year parade that no, is I won't. that will I just shan't. like send me over um, the edge. <laughs> i mean you've hit on precisely the reason why i get so moved by them i think also maybe because I grew up a theater kid and kind of knew like how hard it is, especially Broadway shows, like how hard is it to mount a Broadway show? You go through the conception, you go through rehearsals, it gets reworked. It's like such a long runway to actually make it to the stage. And then when you do the performance, you have to give your all every time. And it's just like, I'm witnessing all of these people's dreams come alive. Like I get so excited for people. So I get moved by that. And then if the story is moving on top of that, it's like, you know, Niagara Falls. I'm done. But same with parades, I want to say, too. I just I get really inspired by people that are doing a thing. Uh, And I think also with parades, it's like, truly, we don't need parades in this day and age. Um, They're not (laughs) the top entertainment, you know, but but we still do them and get people get together. I don't know. I just I find it it all very moving. Yeah, I just I like it when people try a thing. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, let's go back to that because you, when you said that you went to Dublin as part of a theater thing when you were that young, I definitely uh, wanted to come back to that and find out what the story was there. Where, where, where did you grow up? Where did this happen? I grew up in North Hollywood. So my uh, joke is that I'm like a second generation Hollywood dream chaser. Um, <laughs> and, you know, to get more specific, I, I feel like um, my parents were both like sort of Hollywood working class. So, um, you know, we weren't like the ritzy producer people that I went to school with and their kids, you Mm. know, were like in commercials and we weren't like, you know, fresh off the bus, like really struggling. We were kind of in the middle and my parents um, both came from the Bay Area actually to... uh, uh, Hollywood um, to make it. My mom wanted to be an actress, and my dad did stand up, and um, he was actually a warm up comic. And uh, allegedly, according to my mom, they're divorced, so take this with a grain of salt. But <laughs> okay. um, allegedly, his nemesis is Dave Coulier. <laughs> Um, which I mean I wish give me a minute I know thank you process yes I wish there there was like a bigger story beyond apparently you know when you audition for things and you always see the same person Mm -hmm. so that's what Dave Coulier was to my dad (laughs) where he would just be like come on you know every time and uh, according to my mom it was down to my dad and Dave for the part on Full House and so that that would have defined my life in a completely different way. I always joke that I, sure. I, I came so close to being terrible um, growing <laughs> up. I came so close to being somehow being twins, even though that's not really right. how it all I, worked. I, yeah, all the children just become twins, like Mary Kate Ashley. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, and they and they divorced when I was four. So, you know, I, I didn't grow up with them in the house, but I just sort of grew up in North Hollywood in, in this environment of other people that were, that had come here to make it, and now they had families, and so I kind of, you know, ran around with a group of kids that kind of knew the score and I look back now now that I've you know worked in the entertainment industry um, for a while I, I really value that perspective that I had of you know yeah. seeing like entertainment from that young age and sort of not getting disillusioned in the way so many people do when they come here and they see like the Hollywood depiction on movies and TV and think it's going to match that. I kind of have been able to see the peaks and valleys of different things. Um, But that being said, uh, every other school that you can attend in the Valley growing up is a performing arts school. (laughs) It's just just what happens. And uh, I've always been uh, a very hammy person. I should have known I was going to go into comedy back then because like in high school, I auditioned for the crucible with a monologue from kids in the hall. I, I thought, I thought this <laughs> thought there wasn't a problem with that. <laughs> what monologue was it? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Um, it was the biggest crouton monologue that Bruce McCullough did. <laughs> I um, knew you were going to say Bruce. <laughs> I knew you were going to say Bruce because aside from buddy Cole, Bruce's monologues oh, were always so the great. most sort of strange and theatrical and yeah. like very just sort of like, like, faux intense or possibly real intense yeah. so I love this I, I thought, love this I thought it was great and I yeah I didn't realize oh my god I just remember I walked into the room to audition and I went to so I went to a performing arts middle school which is when I went to Ireland but then I went to um, this performing arts high school called LOXA LA County High School for the Arts it's a very fame type high school you have to audition to get in and I got into the theater program and I just remember walking into the audition room doing my monologue and and looking out at like five different teachers completely stone-faced 
probably hating me oh. for making this choice oh um except for one person who i've uh, kept in touch with who got it and he ended up casting me in uh his comedy play um and but everybody else was like she's really not taking this whole theater thing seriously oh, no. but it worked out oh <laughs> uh, what so but some of that stuff, like, I, did they did they just obviously they understood that it whatever it was, it wasn't theater, um, right. the monologue. But they didn't. But it's not like they necessarily. They probably didn't know where it was from. I don't know how many. I, I guess it depends on I, how they probably how didn't savvy know. they were. Yeah, I mean, but everyone else, I don't know. I, I to me, I don't think that I was like putting on this thought of like I'm not going to conform. <laughs> it was just me sort of following what I thought was a a good choice that matched what I was into, which ended up being a really good life lesson to continue on as I navigated a, a career later. Um, but I just thought that it was you know, it, it was what I wanted to do versus like a Tennessee Williams um, type monologue. And I also like never um, really felt like I fit into like the thespian role that so many other of my peers, which they were all like 16. You're not a thespian, but like everybody took themselves <laughs> so seriously. And, and I just wanted to, I, 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 like I said, it was a ham. So I really loved performing and I just wanted to have fun with it. So I think that was kind of my quiet rebellion in a way though it wasn't sure. fully intentional but to go back to your question about Ireland um the middle school I went to was performing arts middle school it actually was a magnet in a bigger public school and um every year the little theater department would have uh, a trip that they would go to and you know usually it'd be like a, a theater city so the first one I think they went to was like London and um, I didn't go on that one but then the next year they're like we're gonna go to Dublin or we're gonna go to Ireland the, I think the trip was you go for two weeks and you hop on a bus and you just cover the whole country which was amazing um, looking wow. back and I think um, they worked with this company that just made it really affordable and also looking back now like my mom was a single mom she didn't have really much money and you know the fact that she kind of scraped together and, and pushed for me to experience that uh, by myself was really really special so yeah yeah I went to Ireland and and it was you know everything that you see in in movies and tv with like the green green valleys and sheep and all these different things I felt like I was driving through postcards and it was really really cool um the one thing that the trip did not deliver on which was the original intent of it being a theater trip we went to uh, some play I think it was supposed to be a comedy <laughs> <laughs> but we went to like one play in Dublin what an afterthought. and I know but but we were all like group of middle schoolers and we go to this um, play in, in Dublin and their accents were so thick but then also <laughs> it was like so slang filled of Irish sure. slang that there was no way we were able to follow anything that was happening I think most of us <laughs> fell asleep in our seats oh, no. <laughs> but otherwise it was so, a great wait, did trip did you say that it was towards it was towards the end or it was towards the beginning of the trip maybe it was the that? middle actually I don't know. So I can't remember. Yeah. We'd already experienced a bit of the country. But you hadn't but you hadn't picked up the tra the way to translate a thick Irish accent. Absolutely into not. A, and this was a time yeah. before iPhones, so we were like, Oh all right. <laughs> Whatever works. Oh. Let, let's just move on to the next stop. <laughs> right. What and and how did you feel I mean, was there 
did you have any anxiety being that age? Because, you know, a lot of the time, uh, maybe a smaller trip happens at that age, like, you know, student council camp or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then and then this sort of more international stuff, if, if kids are lucky enough, um, tends to begin, I think, maybe a little more often in high school and college. Did you feel any anxiety about no, about knowing that, you know, yes, you would be with a group of your peers, but you, you would kind of be alone as far as parents and stuff are concerned? Or were you only psyched about it? I was pretty psyched. <laughs> um, I, th- I think at that, well, I've always been kind of an independent person. And, and, you know, like, I feel like growing up, my family unit was just my mom and my sister. And even in that small unit, I felt very much like I'm on my own, and I'm going to do my own thing and, you know, kind of like forge my own path. Um, and so I was really excited to have that experience. And maybe it was better in my head, too, where I was like, oh, we've been to Disneyland together. And I know how that goes. <laughs> like, I want to sort of navigate my own with this, even though I was still within a group and had to sort of adhere to um, our chaperones and the theater teacher and things like that. I I was yeah. excited for that. Um, but then I also, like the way that the group sort of laid out was, it was just a small, small group. So maybe if it was like our whole theater class, I would have had anxiety because of just social dynamics and especially in middle school, which is... Um, like my opinion, the worst age high school is so much easier, I think, than middle school. Um, If it was like a bigger group like that, maybe I would have felt social pressures of like what the hierarchy is going to be. But it was this small group. And then I ended up spending most of my time. um, My English teacher went with us and she brought her teenage son. And I ended up spending most of my time with them, not in a romantic way, but just because um, and I hate to say this, but it, it is was true back then and I feel like it's true now I was an old soul and so <laughs> I felt like I I got along a little bit more with the older kids and so um, that was sort of m- mostly my experience with it and um, there was one moment I remember when uh, we were I think in the airport connecting our flight to eventually go to Ireland and the rest of our group I was hanging out with uh, my teacher the teacher and uh, her son and the rest of our group was kind of behind us and they were just having like a crisis and causing you know a big scene and but we were off to the side and we overheard like another English person being like oh Mm. stupid Americans Mm -hmm. and I got I got to kind of roll my eye too and be like (laughs) yeah right (laughs) we're all the same (laughs) so those are my big memories from that trip (laughs) I love that you I, I appreciate that you hastened to say that it was not romantic because that absolutely was on the roster of questions that yeah. I was going to have to ask about the trip because you know there's I think maybe less so in middle school for some kids but still you're you know if you're when you're getting into that those uh, race, raging hormones yeah. ages there's there can be the sort of like suddenly I'm passionately having a crush on this person but possibly only because they are also on this trip and it's exciting and like yes. the adrenaline of that is spilling over into this crush that will go away in a week mm-hmm. yeah I want to say that I was well I was a little writer kid too so I think when you're a little writer kid you feel like a romantic sense of self 
mm-hmm. probably earlier than your next person because you're reading books and they're, you know, like, at least the books I was reading at that age, it was all like Francesca Leah Block and like things that were very, you know, like, she's a girl in a world and she's magic and who's gonna... <laughs> I always joke that there's like a whole genre of books called Magic Bitch where it's like the oh, YA... Wow protagonist it has like some magical power and you know now I would look back as an adult and go well it's because you know females don't have any autonomy so we have to be special by some outside force but at the time I was like wow yeah like you know she's a clone and she's magic um so I was reading those books and you know starting to feel sort of romantic leanings toward like what I should be spending my energy on and I remember like it almost it didn't matter who my object of affection was it was that i had one like i needed to have one sure. and i just remember maybe as early as like 5th grade sort of picking almost at random like yes you shall be my crush um but i didn't it was mostly just crushes like throughout different crushes i would sort of fixate on and nothing happened all throughout middle school i was very much okay. like <laughs> the friend on the side and you know Mm -hmm. the the secondary character in someone else's story at that particular chapter um and that was fine by me I was I was happy to be sort of out of the limelight in that way and out of trouble right I would the way you said and you shall be my crush of course like I couldn't help but just quickly imagine you kind of almost like you were knighting someone (laughs) it felt like the child is like yes it has been decided I want to congratulate you I mean I I I cannot guarantee the length of this position but Mm -hmm. you will be my crush and you will feel it somehow deep in the night even though though I will say nothing from here (laughs) nothing you will get no indication whatsoever that I am anything other than a friend yeah yeah though there was now that I'm thinking about it there was like one moment in middle school I want to say where um that kind of caused just a little bit of drama for me where I remember going to a slumber party and uh (laughs) henna tattoos got busted out it got wild and (laughs) (laughs) there was I remember like everybody snatched all the pretty henna tattoos um and you know they were just like the temporary ones that you sort of rub on your arm and um there was like one left that um had like a little heart and a banner and like you put the name of your beloved in the banner um and i just remember some of the other mean girls at that slumber party and everyone knew who my crush was because i was like very loud about it it was this guy named mike lesky and (laughs) everybody was like you should get that henna tattoo and put mike's name in it and i was like really and you know in that very (gasps) middle school way where i was like will that make you like me sure then and i did it and i remember like the next monday at school this big showdown on like uh, the playground and Mike walking up to me and he never spoke to me, I think before that, but walking up to me and being like, heard you got a tattoo with my name on it. (gasps) And I said, yeah, he goes, can I see it? And I showed it to him. I think it was on my ankle. He just went, cool. And then he walked away and never spoke to me again. (laughs) That is mythical. Yeah. That's like a, that is a, that is a beautiful, very, very like literary moment. Yes. And it it was very pure. (laughs) It was very pure. I think that I enjoyed that too. I, I mean, yeah, at that age, especially, I don't think if any of my crushes liked me back, I think 
it would almost ruin it for me um, because then that just led to a whole mess of other problems and expectations. (laughs) But if I was just alone in the corner and being like doodling hearts and stuff, um, that was safe for me. And and I was comfortable with that. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Friendly Fire is a podcast about war movies, but it's so much more than that. It's history. It was just supposed to be another assignment. It's comedy. Under no circumstances are you to engage the enemy. It's cinema studies. It's a hell of a combination. So subscribe and download Friendly Fire on your podcatcher of choice or at MaximumFun.org. And also come see us at San Francisco Sketchfest on January 16th. You can get tickets at sfsketchfest.com. accomplished. What's the age difference between you and your sister? Two years. She's two years older. She's two years older. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did she have that sort of, um, did she, did you kind of follow the same track in terms of the schools that she was doing or were you guys kind of off doing different things? Yeah, we actually, we did different things. Um, she ended up going to a very interesting school program. She went to North Hollywood High and they had this uh, magnet called the Zoo Magnet, which sounds crazy. <laughs> Now that I'm saying it in the year of our Lord 2020, um, but (laughs) (laughs) she, uh, it was this uh, magnet where you literally, you would do your classes in the morning at North Hollywood High and then you would get on a bus and they would shuttle you over to the LA Zoo where they had a series of bungalows and then you would have your afternoon classes there. And I guess, yeah, I guess the intention is, you know, for kids that are uh, interested in science and sort of going into um, veterinary stuff. Um, most mm-hmm. literally, but my sister always knew that she was going to be a visual artist. So she went there and was like, sweet, I'm going to go to the zoo and like draw monkeys. And that's what she did. <laughs> and she had a great time doing that. And, and now she um, works in animation as a background artist. So she did the thing she wanted to do. How cool is that? She did the thing Very she wanted cool. to do, but de- definitely not on its face, as you, as you said. Yeah. It doesn't, you don't necessarily, like the fact that she sort of arrived at that kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, I don't have the, like, I'm right. going to, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of uh, uh, hack the system here. You know, that's, this yeah. isn't why they think I'm doing this, but this is why. That's pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah, I think, I think she um, had a good time generally uh, in high school too. But then before that, and maybe this was also like some cajoling from my mom. My mom is kind of obsessed with marching bands not in a way that like (laughs) speaking of parades not in a way that like factors into daily life but um she uh, my sister plays the flute and my mom was like so into my sister playing in the marching band so she did I think for ninth and 10th grade and um during that time of course we had to go we're LA family so she would march in like some Pasadena street fair parade and she would do you know these other things and we would show up for it we'd go to football games really only to see uh her play and uh it's funny because so she did that for I want to say first two years of high school and um and you know like by all accounts like hated it and made a big teenage show of like no mom I'm not gonna do this anymore and it's funny now (laughs) she tries to break the flute over her knee but it does won't why isn't this working but then it comes apart because you have to assemble um good point good point (laughs) I well I always joke too that like 
during this time, my sister was also a hot topic goth, and um, so <laughs> she had. Now you're yes, speaking my language. Now I'm, now now I'm going into you're it. You're speaking my language. Um, yeah, she had hot topic goth. Yes, it's so specific it, and completely it, I have, understood. I have many photos, and I think she's just now being able to laugh at them. But she had like you know very very thick black manic panic dyed hair, and she had um, the kind of braces that look like braces on top of braces, <laughs> and she. Oh. She also had, um, if you remember in Romy and Michelle, the back brace. Um, oh, she no, she had a scoliosis yeah. kind of. But she she didn't have to wear it over her clothes. She could wear it under, so that was fine. But still, okay. she she had a posture to her that we we call was very Barbie like. And my joke is like how I became a comedian is lost on me because that's a comedian maker. All of those elements, all of those um, elements. She had yeah. all the ingredients. But she did that at, while I was at this other art school and. Um, now it's funny because she had her big rebellion with like, I'm not going to do marching band anymore. I'm not going to play the flute. And now Lizzo is very popular. <laughs> and my sister is very into Lizzo. Yeah. Lizzo plays the flute. It's a co- topic of conversation that comes up very often now where it's like, Katie, if you love Lizzo, why aren't you picking up that flute again? And she's like, and do what? <laughs> Join an adult <laughs> marching band? What is happening? <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm listening. Wait a minute. I'm Actually. <laughs> you know that could be a thing. You that know if she wanted thing. to put that together. Is she still? So she, yeah, she works in animation. So she's still in the in the LA area. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you're telling me that there's not, it, she could probably form one and it would be like, and flee from Red Hot Chili Peppers yeah. is in the band. Yeah, and this is like actually a great. Great get idea. A lot of press. <laughs> now that yeah. I'm thinking, it's just like the fact that well, it kind of makes me think of the L.A. Municipal Dance Squad, um, the thing that Angela Trimber started, where it's like these are all women who are adult women now, but they like grew up in like dance squads and you know dance companies, and they just want to dance for the sake of loving dance. Yeah. Um, she could do that for the sake of loving marching band <laughs> with a bunch of other cool adults. I'm gonna I'm gonna plant that seed in her head and see how it goes. Please do. I, I, I absolutely will buy the first ticket. Great. Uh, possibly even jump in and just manage the band. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Listen, I don't have that much free time, but uh, <laughs> it sounds pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad that we got. Of course, to be totally honest, I have to admit that um, I was imagining an adult woman also dressed as a hot topic goth with like black hair. <laughs> like, I sort of didn't. I didn't I ha- that was the only image I had of your sister so right. I sort of just like stretched her upwards made her a little taller <laughs> and like gave her a couple lines on her face and then assumed that somehow that that visual would be maintained through all these years I mean she's still my mom doesn't throw anything away so this is something that we could still make happen okay, <laughs> of good. her reviving her hot topic gothness good. <laughs> did you did you play any instruments no I, I woefully did not I um I tried to play the trumpet when I was, um, I want to say middle school into maybe a little bit of high school, but maybe just toward the beginning. Um, But I, it's mostly because I was a big ska kid. So my sister went the Hot Topic goth route, and I went so deep into ska, I did not see the light until several years later. <laughs> and it was a checkered light. Um, but I wanted to, uh, I wanted to, you know, see if I could hack a musical instrument, and I cannot. So the best I can do is a musical theater sing or a karaoke sing, and that's about yeah. it. But that's good enough well- for most occasions. 
But if you are, are you are you are you secretly hiding the fact that you tried a bunch of other instruments? Because from my perspective, and and I've never played a, a a wind instrument, a horn, anything like that. That seems t- very hard to me. Like that seems hard in a different way than guitar or piano seems hard. You know. Well, it was. I mean, uh, I will say, yeah, I I think I tried clarinet um, a little bit, um, maybe even a little in elementary school. At that time, also though, I just looked at band as being a way to get out of class and was very sure. excited by that. Um, sure. Yeah, but it, all of the other instruments that I tried, I think I tried the cornet a little bit, which just felt like, well, we're just playing the trumpet. I know people that play mm-hmm. the cornet are very upset right now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's uh, but this going to get worse for them? Because I, I need someone to to tell me exactly what the difference is. I know there's a difference, right? I think it has something to do with the valves. Um, but it's also been many, many years since I've picked up either instrument, so I'm probably even not even right with that. But that's what it felt like to me that it was different. Um, and I think I did cornet for a little bit and then did trumpet. And again, I was so bad all the way so it's like (laughs) negligible that I even participated in this but um I tried I tried my best and you know I quit early when I knew it it was not going to pan out (laughs) well that's there's something to be said for that yeah a lot of us have trouble getting out of things that we should leave earlier so um I'm sure many of us can identify with that and 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 approve of that that early decision um I want to go back to to the the kind of your your kind of origin story right of 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 I really liked what you said early on about um about being in the the, the industry the showbiz industry um but not necessarily in a way that that like yeah that, that yeah. the sort of Dustin Hoffman's son was um I don't know why I pulled him right out of the hat but <laughs> somehow sure I, somehow I, I yeah. thought of him um, <laughs> but yeah I mean I think that's that's something that we we don't really hear about as often um you know, people we talk we do we do talk about the sort of idea of like people who who come here from somewhere else to quote unquote make it and and that's their story and then if they make it then their kids you know right don't kind of grow up without necessarily the same connection to certain realities that that kids who don't you know do and and I I'm 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 super interested in that which is probably why you said it early because you know that it's a wonderful <laughs> interesting thing about yourself but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I want to I, I don't know how much more to unpack about that, but I really like the idea of of sort of understanding it as like a working class yeah. dream, potentially. Um, did that is did, like how how much of that do you feel like was directly communicated by your parents versus just like sort of what you observed as, you know, normal mm, um, mm-hmm. when you were growing up? Well, I think that, you know, it, it actually wasn't really really directly communicated in the way that I I feel like um I don't know the 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 sort of discoveries that I'm sort of unhatching now with going to therapy and (laughs) sort of looking back and you know um I'm I'm about 10 years into working professionally as a writer which is very cool and great but you know it also I'm looking back and going okay well uh how did my upbringing sort of factor into how I've navigated this and I think that the conversations that we would have growing up was more focused on like you know being fortunate to have the things that we have and sort of the experiences that we do and and there were some moments I want to say where you know uh, putting aside all of like the divorcee talk because I certainly got a lot of that 
divorced uh-huh. parents, you're just always going to a, a lot of like, oh, your father had so much potential kind of talk mm-hmm. um, that I had to kind of unpack a little bit when I I truly didn't mean to go into stand up. Um, I started doing that when I was in college. And, and that was kind of an accident that happened that I was like, all right, I, I actually like this. Didn't mean to follow in my dad's footsteps. But, um, you know, when I started doing that, it, it I, it was something that I had to kind of unpack of like, well, why did dad stop? And what does that mean? You know, I think mm-hmm. um, like having parents that pivoted their dreams has been, you know, a big thing for, for me to kind of try to figure out, okay, well, they pivoted. Is it like, do I deserve this too? Um, sure. Which is something that I think a lot of other Valley kids and kids that grew up in Hollywood and want to pursue entertainment have to reckon with at some point. Um, and you know, it it makes it difficult, but it also is interesting, I think, because it kind of lands on the same discovery that you have, you know, if your parents did anything, you have to land on a discovery as an adult that you are not your parents and that you are living a separate life. And, um, and I think I've also been fortunate to have parents that are genuinely very excited for me to pursue what I'm pursuing but also going back to the working class aspect of it, um, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way because I knew the kids that were Dustin Hoffman's son <laughs> or version yeah. of. And, you know, I grew up, like I said, uh, going to arts schools and, you know, like every other kid. My joke is like, well, I, gr- growing up there was the same as gr- growing up anywhere else, except my mean girls were camera ready and I had to deal with that. Um, and they would be in commercials, you know? And so there is a little bit of that flash and excitement that would happen. Um, but I also knew at a very young age that I didn't want to be for lack of a better term, a star fucker. Um, and Mm -hmm. that I kind of saw past like the glimmer and, and shine of that and sort of looked at the humanity when I could, you know, cause sometimes Mm -hmm. you'll meet somebody and you'll be like, I'm just so starstruck. But, um, you know, I just tried to humanize that aspect and and go okay well here we are like this person's family is is very well off and and that is their own deal or maybe this person's family they're struggling and that is their own deal it's like we're all kind of working in our own way and I think I also recognized early on that a lot of luck factors into what we do out here and um I, it's, I think, something that people don't talk about enough, um, that, of course, you can work your tail off and have all of your, you know, materials ready. Like, you know, I got my first writing job because I had a packet ready. Um, and if I didn't, I wouldn't have gotten it, you know, very right. cleanly. Um, but I think that growing up in that environment allowed me to see, okay, well, it's truly not merit-based because this person over here is so talented, but they're not getting, you know, like all the breaks that you would think that they would be owed. And to witness that very young, maybe it's also because I was a divorced kid. So then I feel like divorced kids kind of grow up faster than others and they're Mm -hmm. able to kind of see the adult world in a different way that's a little bit more clear um and I was able to kind of go all right well it's not merit-based you know it's just about hanging on for as long as you 
could. And I also was able to then look at, you know, my parents' story and how they pivoted and and thought, well, you know, my mom actually pivoted into um, working at the Disney company. And she's now almost celebrating 30 years of uh, working as a senior contract administrator over there. And she's loved it and has like made a home. And, you know, my sister and I, we grew up around animation. So surprise, surprise, we ended up where we ended up. Um, sure. And and my dad went into a completely different line of work. And so, you know, it's it's just like all stories are are fine. It's not that like the only story that's worth telling is the one where they make it big and, you know, stand on an Oscar stage. So, yeah. yeah. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? Wolf. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's such a weird, um, it's, it is, it's such a, it's, it's, it's just the weirdest profession for so many different reasons. I'm sure there's weirder, but just in terms of like my own professional experience before kind of ending up where I did, um, it, it is so, and, and, and I, I love your point about luck. And I think kind of what we're circling here is this idea that I think, I think it gets sort of the word luck gets name dropped a lot when mm-hmm. people are talking about like when humble people, you know, of genuinely or other or, or non, you know, are sort of saying like, well, it was a, a, you know, some talent and a lot of luck. It's this sort of like capital L luck word. And but no one really knows what that means. Um, you know what I mean? And so yeah. there's a sense of like, oh, is someone just saying that because that's a way of being humble? Or do they really genuinely mean how right. arbitrary everything is? And and to that end, like, in what ways are is luck playing a part? In what ways is it arbitrary? And and obviously, you called out some, and I think that's really important because it's 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 so true that it just sort of gets tossed out as this general term where mm-hmm. we all think we all think we understand luck, like, oh, okay, so yeah, you got lucky, but you when you don't really break it down, it just sounds like maybe that's not real. Well, it's, <laughs> like yeah. in show business, maybe that's not even a thing. You know, it's hard and it's really maddening. I, I think. You know, I would be lying if I said I didn't have times as a writer where I would just be crying in my car. <laughs> I feel like yeah. a good car cry is essential to living in Los Angeles. But That's it's, right. it's hard because, you know, um, a lot of that luck stuff is dependent on outside forces. And yeah. so I think especially... Gosh, if I was an actor, you know, I feel like it, it would be even more harrowing because it would be really dependent on auditions coming in and roles coming in and things like that. Um, and as a writer, I feel just a, a smidge more power with, you know, when I feel really free floating and yeah. that, um, you know, I don't have a net necessarily that I could sit down and go, well, I'm going to write a new pilot and take back the night a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. of course, there's so many other factors that then have to be dependent on that. Like, who's going to read the pilot? Like, will right, people right. like it? You know, maybe they yeah. won't. And and that's OK. Um, but it it is, you know, that luck thing is is really hard for especially someone like myself who is um, very type A and I, I like to have control and and I like Mm -hmm. a plan you know so um living here and navigating a creative career is about sort of like surrendering to the x factor that you can't predict and it's it's hard so for me I've really in the last couple years have sort of tried to adjust my mindset of okay well I'm going to control what I can control so if it's writing a new pilot you know I know that that's what's going to help me with that a little bit but most importantly it's about finding a community of people that 
good days or bad days, they got your back and we're all trying it in, in, you know, the same way. It's not about, you know, these quote unquote friends that are only your friends if you are thriving and abandon you when you're not. And, um, and I think a lot of people can get lost in that. You know, I get really, um, you know, icky around uh, like networking. And I think that, you know, like the whole business card sort of hollow networking is is just really icky because it takes away the humanity. And for me, I, I much prefer if it's like someone I actually care about getting coffee with and right. that right. like the, the business part of it is kind of secondary because again, it's like, it would be great if business stuff worked out. Of course, you know, it'd be great if tomorrow I had all the deadline articles about me and all right. the things, you know, that are right. like so superficial, but they right. do matter to some degree, you know? Um, yeah. And it's that balance thing. You're absolutely yeah, right. It's sort it's about of balance. where you place your values and how, much at any given time, you are relying on those sort of outside forces to dictate your contentment. That doesn't mean you can't be ambitious. It doesn't mean you can't yeah. be disappointed or crushed when something doesn't happen. But, you know, what kind of marathon are we running and, and you know, what are we hoping our focus has been and, and the, the moments that we've appreciated the most right. um, ideally would be tied to something deeper than, you know, a deadline article. Yeah. And I think that that like the working class part of Hollywood, I think, really shines in that moment, too, because it makes me think when I was growing up, um, you know, my mom uh, had full custody of my sister and I and I would go see my dad on the weekend. So being with my mom most of the time, she, you know, even though had segued into this role at Disney, was still having, you know, like she would participate in, in her actor friends plays as um, she is a really good seamstress so she would do costumes and you know I remember when I was like nine or ten her friends decided to fund their own indie movie and it shot at um the Pickwick bowling uh alley in Burbank if you know it and mm-hmm. so I yeah there was a, a magical summer of going over there and sort of like hanging in the back of this indie movie set and you know there was a, a really funny photo of me I think I'm like age nine and they gave me a l- production badge and I'm like oh. passed out in a chair (laughs) it's looking like I'm sleeping on the job and they like circulated it at the rap party but I I grew up in those kind of environments where it was very scrappy and grew up in the back of black box theaters and things that you know the fanciest Hollywood person would look down on and say it's not worth your time and effort to do this but it was worth it for those people and I think about that a lot and I think about other moments where I remember like going to Costco with my mom and we had turned a corner and you know one of the people that were doing like cooking demonstrations was an old actor friend that she knew and Mm. um you know like having this moment of understanding seeing it like in front of my face of like well you know it's different for everybody and sometimes it doesn't necessarily work out to the way that you anticipate it but it doesn't mean that it's bad I just remember that moment seeing that person do that not to say that that's the worst job ever but you know what I mean like this is somebody that oh, yeah. um, I think they were like a big commercial person for uh, a while in the 90s and my mom I, I remember her making that into a big moment of a lesson of like well you have to support your family at some point 
and hmm. you have to kind of like swallow it up if there is, you know, shame to swallow. Um, yeah. And and I think about that a lot. I don't know. It, those kind of things that mean more to me than like selling my soul to, you know, sit at the table of a company I don't agree with or a production company or, or network or whatever, um, that it's really just about your peers and that community and that family that you form. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And we host Round Springfield. Round Springfield is a new Simpsons podcast that is Simpsons adjacent. Mm -hmm. Um, In its topic, we talk to Simpsons writers, directors, voiceover actors, you name it, about non-Simpsons things that they've done. Because, surprise, they're all extremely talented. Absolutely. For example, David X. Cohen worked on The Simpsons, but then created a little show called Futurama. Mm -hmm. That's our very first episode. So tune in for stuff like that with Yardley Smith, with Tim Long, with different writers and voice actors. It's going to be so much fun. And we are every other week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I can't think of a better way uh, on a positive note to begin our little mash game, uh, which we will do at the end of the episode, uh, which we are drawing to. So uh, let's see if we can get some customized uh, mash questions in here. First, I'd like to start with a very simple yet germane. Uh, let's say we you can you can play an instrument uh, tomorrow, give me three that you would love to wake up. Of course, you would just end up with one, but three instruments that you would love to know how to play. You could just wake up tomorrow and you just instantly are an expert. Great. Um, I would love like ripping surf guitar. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I was, I was, when I was into ska, I was also very much into surf and was like, Great. let's go hand in hand. Um, Sure, I would love to master the trumpet. <laughs> Great. I want to finish what I started, baby. That's um, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then to go to the Lisa Simpson of it all, sure, I'll throw in a sax. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, that reminded me that secretly what I'm still hoping is that there will be some kind of weird opportunity where like you are on the same stand-up show as Dave Coulier and you can <gasps> fully Inigo Montoya oh it God. and be like... Yes. I'm gonna go up yes. on that stage and I'm gonna <laughs> steal all the applause and laughter that you are gonna get, Dave Coulier. Because that's, that's for will. my dad. I will. You've you've killed my father. Prepare to die. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Even though your dad's like, guys, yeah, calm down. I'm fine the, with it. I have wings. a whole other wonderful life. <laughs> I, I mostly say that so people know what style of comedy my dad did. <laughs> yeah, there. Helpful. Helpful. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. Next question. Um, uh, and this again is I've just come to my mind and it is inspired by your dad three <laughs> so this is such a weird convoluted question three actresses that you wish would have been your nemesis Ooh. if you were like at the peak of quote-unquote so so-called success at, at in that era you know what I mean like oh yeah w- were there three girls that you did sort of see on tv and and be like oh Sarah Jessica Parker <laughs> I wish I uh, obviously all in good fun I'm not saying you should have been obsessed with having a nemesis but yeah uh, three, right three actresses from that era that that could that are your pretend nemesis um I don't know if this I'm I'm thinking more of like the people, uh, you know, when you grow up and people like name your celebrity doppelganger 
Oh, sure. And that, in a way, becomes that your nemesis. Um, that also works. I'm going to go with 3-1. That isn't necessarily part of the era of Dave Coulier. Not to say his Fine era is it. over. Um, he's he's <laughs> very much thriving, as all of the Fuller uh, cast is. Um, I, I will say, uh, growing up, I got Winona Ryder a lot. So I'll name her. Um, uh, Christina Ricci, because, again, around that same era. Yeah. And then uh, a more modern one I'll, I'll throw in. And this is more like all of these are actually wishful thinking because <laughs> they're all lovely women it. who are very talented in their own rights. Um, I'll throw in a Mary Elizabeth Winstead. <laughs> so we got Great. the Burnett bunch. Great. Oh, perfect. Okay. And, um, and, and now jumping off of that category, three characters... Uh, that you would like to play that one of your nemeses played, and and now that can you can name three Winona Ryder roles. Mm. You can name one Winona, two Christinas. You can name one Mary Elizabeth, one of each. But three roles that it would have been fun to play uh, when yeah. when you were into it, and not just doing Bruce McCullough monologues. <laughs> I mean, I could just go into the Bruce McCullough monologue uh, chapter of my life um, <laughs> from here on out. Uh, I will say, so this is also going to say a lot about my family dynamic growing up, um, but our family musical was Gypsy. <laughs> great, great. I'm not sure other people have family musicals, but for some reason we <laughs> loved that musical and we watched the Bette Midler one that was made for TV many times mm-hmm. that we taped on VHS and the Rosalind Russell one, of course. Um, pay no attention to the fact that it's about a stage mom and um, my mom may have been yep. a little bit of a stage no. mom. Okay. Not thinking, t- not thinking about it. <laughs> I would play Louise I and I don't know, I mean, uh, who Natalie Wood played it in the Rosalind Russell one, so... I'll, oh, gotcha. I'll, okay. I'll do a Louise Natalie Wood one. Nice. Um, I mean, obviously, Christina Ricci and Casper, because Devin Sawa was so great. <laughs> um, and then Beautiful. I will say the cherry on top is um, Lydia from Beetlejuice. Great. You know what I realized as I was writing all this stuff is that weren't wasn't Christina Ricci in Mermaids also with Winona Ryder? She was! Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I don't know Six what that degrees. means, but, but but I did love that movie when I was younger. So yeah, uh, I loved take it that too. For what it's worth. <laughs> take that for what it's worth. Okay, next category is three uh, shows from any era that you would love to have written on. Oh gosh, um, Strangers with Candy. Uh, I Great. think it was the first show that I saw that I thought to myself, I don't know who this is for. Um, because it is yeah. so clearly for me. Yeah. And yeah. I've been kind of chasing that, <laughs> trying to, you know, make something as, as unique and weird as that. Um, gosh, this is a hard question because there are just like hundreds that I could name and, and would be be great. Um, but uh, let me let me think. Um, well, to jump to maybe modern times, on on that i don't know who this is for but it's for me uh documentary now is one of the greatest shows i've ever experienced um i just yeah. think that everything that they do is is so completely right on so i would just yes. love to be i don't even need to write on it i just need to be present and beautiful <laughs> beautiful and and have a great time with that um and gosh the third i mean uh let's see I named Strangers with Candy. (laughs) Um, I'm going to throw in a real out of left field 
entry into this. Um, but I'm going to say the OC. Okay, great. Because that was, a, I think, the first time I truly experienced binge watching um, mm-hmm. with, a, with a community of people. Uh, I remember when the DVDs came out, a group of friends and I, Scott friends, for being specific, um, all my Scott friends and I, we watched and it we together. Are. Yes. Um, and we loved it. And, you know, we just, it was one of those like, goofy friend hangs where we would always sing the theme song at the top of our lungs and just have a great time so i would write on the oc in a heartbeat i think that's that's beautiful it's a beautiful uh tribute <laughs> to the oc that you've just given thank uh, you listen we got to get into this three yes. ska bands that you can summon at will to play whatever you want they're your buddies um and you can just sort of like have them whenever you want wherever you want uh play for you um i mean the aquabats Great. Which I'm cheating, kind of, because I worked on their show. Um, <laughs> but I, that I doesn't just count love as them. cheating. Okay, I love them, and I think whenever they're around, it's a good time. Um, Real Big Fish and the Slackers. Great, Great. and Slackers, perfect. Okay, uh, got to get this category in. Three foods that in this alternate universe we're creating. Uh, it doesn't matter if in this universe you're allergic to them or you feel they're ecologically irresponsible or they are too fattening or you feel sick after you eat them and you wish you could eat forever but you can't because it makes you feel sick. Three things, it could be as specific or as general a category as you want, uh, that in this alternate universe we're going to just give like n- there's just zero ramification to eating. Yeah, I'm going to say... I'm going to start with something slightly controversial um, because I'm a vegan and I've been a vegan for seven years. But before I was a vegan, I was a hardcore carnivore to the point Uh where um, (laughs) my I want to say my sweet 16 birthday. I told my mom, I just want to go to one of those Brazilian restaurants where they keep serving you meat until (laughs) you are done. And uh, she was like, those are expensive. You can bring one person. I went, okay, got it. Mm -hmm. I remember going there with my friend Taylor and she went to the salad bar and I stopped her with my hand. Like I was a mom at a harsh stoplight. I was like, that's a fool's game. (laughs) So I would love to go back to that moment (laughs) and just be able to eat as much meat. And, you know, morally, I feel fine. This is all plant-based, maybe amalgamation. Yes. of it but i want yes. to be able to have that experience again uh, without consequence great i'm also uh i love ice cream so i would great. love just just a flight of the best of whatever um without a uh, brain freeze heartburn all the other <laughs> Beautiful. things um Beautiful. with chunks and caramel swirl um oh, and yeah. then ah. Uh, I also, in being a vegan, uh, I miss pizza because they mm. haven't really nailed vegan cheese yet. <laughs> I feel like yeah, we're I like agree. five I agree. to ten years away from it being real nice. <laughs> I'm going to say. I hope um, you're not right about that. It could I be know. a thing where we don't I even know how close they are because they're just going to roll out something. I mean, listen. Yeah. Uh, the, people think that like the impossible or beyond meat came out of nowhere. So it could right. be that there's something hiding behind a curtain somewhere that they're going to suddenly so. be like, ta-da! I hope so. Yeah. I mean, gosh, before the Beyond and Impossible, it was just like Boca burgers that were like croutons and they were just so (laughs) cardboardy. But I would love uh, to have like the best pizza. And it doesn't have to be like I'm not a New York pizza versus L.A. versus whatever. I'm like pizza's pizza, man. Just give it to me. Same. (laughs) Same. So that's my answer. (laughs) I love it. Equal opportunity pizza. 
great. Um, okay, next category. This is MASH. We got to get some romance in here. Three people, actors, actresses, characters, cartoons, literary characters, politicians from any time, any place, anywhere uh, that you would like to have sexy and or romantic times with in this alternate universe. Great. Um, I'm going to start with one that is probably the answer of many women at this current moment. Um, but I would like to climb Adam Driver like a tree. <laughs> and I want to say, I've, my husband is baffled by this choice. Uh, I've had to defend my Adam Driver love. It's been a big year for him, too. He's been in like 12 movies. It has. Um, it has. And this is no, this is no offense to Adam Driver. I'm sure he's a very lovely person. Um, but he, if we're talking about like unrequited love that I experienced as a youth, he embodies the perfect, um, you know, source of all of my unrequited love. Like he seems like somebody who would ignore me and I'd love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, and it's gotcha. not something that I, I, of course, I do not want now. Even if I wasn't right. married, I wouldn't want. But but he very much like he he awakened something in me that that had been dormant <laughs> for a while. Completely understand. Completely yeah. support that choice. Thank you. Um, I, I also have to say I've had like a lifelong, almost lifelong crush on this person. But I think Sam Rockwell is just the best. Oh, um, I uh, threw a party uh, with um, my Simpsons podcast co-host Allie Gertz uh, a couple years ago called Are You Ready to Rockwell? It was the same Rockwell themed party and it was uh, amazing. (laughs) (laughs) People dressed up as various Rockwells. I think we watched Moon. Can't tell. We made a bunch of punny food. It was a real good time uh, in honor of Sam. I think he's the best. I want to say I support that entirely. I did that uh, twice um, in high school with Steve, with like a Steve Martin marathon and oh, cool. uh, John Cusack sort of early movie marathon. Um, couldn't it's, have like made, like put more time and effort into making like oh, yeah. flyers for that oh, yeah. than I did anything I was working on in school and like went out and got like, yeah, all the sort of foods that are famous and from, for one reason or another in those movies. And it was, yeah. You're, was, you're uh, speaking my language too, because yeah. two, two things. I, um, when I was in high school, I started this cult film club called Film Corps, C-O-R-P-S, um, cause it sounded very fancy and legit. And I, um, would make, we would like screen cannibal the musical and then i would make like um you know the chocolate dirt dessert with like the chocolate pudding and the oreo crumbs i would make (laughs) like a big thing of chocolate dirt and then i would like put like a take a doll apart and put like body parts in it so it'd be like cannibalism and i would make other things and we would watch like ed wood and beyond the valley of dolls things like that and then uh every year now it's a new tradition we just had our second annual party um but in the spirit of are you ready to rock well the day after thanksgiving my husband and i throw a party called tom hanksgiving where we beautiful you come over. It's also a leftovers depot. If you have leftovers from Thanksgiving, bring them over. We're going to have punny treats. I love this. Yeah. So that's that's the thing. Um, I My friend just told me they have a friend who is his assistant, so they know about it. Maybe he does. The, the circle's <laughs> getting does. closer. <laughs> it's getting much closer. Okay. Let's get your last. Uh, last yeah. Let's one. get your last romantic. I'll do a fictional one. Um, okay. Uh, Trent from the TV show Daria uh, was definitely a crush. I realize now uh, he kind of similar to Adam Driver is 
kind of a dopey dude that would ignore me. But, you know, hey, listen, like I said, I just need to crush and I need nothing else to happen. (laughs) Totally get it. Totally get it. Okay, great. Trend from Daria. Okay, perfect. Okay, and then final category. Let's do three places. Um, They can be fictional or they can be uh, real places in the world that you would like to have a vacation home. Ooh. um, Hmm. Let me think. I mean, I've been... I've been, I have really bad wanderlust. I think probably because I grew up in LA and I feel like, well, here's where I'm going to live for the rest of my life. <laughs> no options there. So <laughs> I, I'm always like, uh, I'm driving my husband crazy with being fixated on a different travel destination, <laughs> um, you know, per the day. Uh, so, it. so I've been researching for this question for a little bit. Um, I, I'll just throw, I think um, Bali would be a really, really great place to have a vacation home seems really Wonderful. nice out there i have not been there but it seems nice mm-hmm. by all the photos um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i want to throw in a fictional one um let's see what's a good oh you know what whatever i'll live in the good place <laughs> great great, great, great. I'll have okay. a vacation home there hang out with ted danson um marvel at all of megan amram's punny food store names oh, it'll yeah. be a great time um, and then the third, I feel like going into, oh, I got it. I'm going to live in uh, the t- afterlife town and defending your life. Oh, my God. I was just talking about that with someone. It's I the best movie ever. I love that movie so much. Yeah. Oh, he's he's the best. Movie. It's the best. Uh, when my husband and I got married, we got married at um, the silent movie theater. And um, before we walked down the aisle or I walked down the aisle, we played, since it was a movie theater, we had like a... Um, you know, a series of movie clips that were kind of like around love and all this stuff. And we had a clip from Defending Your Life where he's like chasing after Meryl Streep and yes. and her name happens to the be tram, Julia. The so tram. I know. It does happen to be Julia. Oh yeah. God, that's a great how did how you sir, how did you die? On stage like you. <laughs> yeah. Um it's so Julia, good. where have you been all my life? I this is a real kindred spirit situation <laughs> we've come across here. And I'm by so the way, happy. it's no it's it's, it's it's definitely no coincidence. We know that uh, our mutual friend Julian made this made this magic happen and is currently yes. recording this episode. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, why don't you give me a number between one and seven? Uh, five. Okay, great. Uh, I am going to use this number, maybe not in the order that people think when they're getting mash done. <laughs> and I'm going to uh, come back with your 100% guaranteed mash future. Great. Uh, we're going to see how much I can accomplish while you tell these wonderful people where they can enjoy all of your various and sundry projects, as there are many and, and wondrous. Um, and then uh, and then we'll see where we are with this MASH game. Well, you can enjoy all of my many different projects. Um, first, I have a podcast on Maximum Fun. Um, for years and years, it was called Everything's Coming Up Simpsons, um, but now it is called Round Springfield. So it is a, a new version of our Simpsons podcast where we interview um, people that have worked on The Simpsons, whether in a writing capacity, directing capacity, or we've got some voiceover actors. Uh, we recorded an episode with Yardley Smith, which was really, really great. 
great. And they talk about non-Simpsons things, um, other shows that they've worked on, um, failed pilots that they've had. Um, Yardley talked about, you know, growing up in theater and, you know, what that was like. And it's just all about, you know, the talented, talented people who make the best show in the universe. Um, So you can catch that on Maximum Fun. And um, on that Simpsons note, you could buy a book that my co-host Allie Gertz and I uh, co-wrote called 100 Things Simpsons Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. It's available on Amazon. And nice. um, yeah, uh, you can catch pretty much all my stuff. Uh, I'm at Julia Prescott on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, and I usually post stuff on there if you're in the L.A. area. I host a monthly lecture series at the Lyric Hyperion Theater called the JP Lecture Love Series. It. Um, Love <laughs> and it. Very creative title. Um, but I, I have a lot of fun with it. My podcast is called the JV Club, so right, you're not right. really yes, <laughs> yeah. speaking it's to like, the It's like, we don't need to overcute this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's a series I've been doing since 2016. It started in Meltdown Comics, and now it's at the Lyric, and we're very happy to be there. And once a month, I assemble a panel of professionals and... Uh, they speak to a central topic about breaking in. So whether it's, you know, how do you get a manager? How do you get a pitch meeting? Um, how do you write for adult animation? Uh, I'll assemble a panel of people on both sides of the table, both development execs and creatives. We have a lot of fun with it. We also do um, inside the writer's room of we're going to do a big mouth one uh, in the new year. But in the past, we've done the writer's room of Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Rick and Morty. And it's super fun. And um, yeah, you can catch that. I usually post on social media and it's a fun time. Guys, that's a, listen, what a wonderful laundry list of things that you can do and be excited (laughs) about uh, as relates to our own JP here. Uh, I'm very excited (laughs) to issue the results of your MASH game. I, I mean, listen, there's so much good stuff going on here. I'm not even sure where to start. I'm so uh, I want to, first of all, congratulate you on the wonderful work you did as Louise and Gypsy. Oh, thank uh, you so much. Very moving, <laughs> funny, uh, irreverent. Any other Great. cliched term that you can think of that a critic who may or may not know what they're talking about would use, um, yes. keeping it nice and general and safe. I want to congratulate you on your fantastic trumpet skills. <laughs> yeah! Just finally. absolutely phenomenal. I don't know if that's come into play at all. Like, I don't know if I know that the Aquabats are basically obsessed with you. So I don't know if they've asked you to join <laughs> in these various times that you've been able to just summon them at will and have them play for you. But certainly uh, you have the trumpet skills to to participate in Amazing. a jam session with those with with those Aquabats. <laughs> I said those Great. Aquabats like they were like like those they were a gang kids. in a neighborhood and I was an old lady. <laughs> Those Aquabats. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're basically like ripping pages from a script from their show. <laughs> I want to say great, great, it's great, in the great, spirit great. of that. It's perfect. Good. I'm comfortable with it. Uh, I want to congratulate you on your work writing for Strangers with Candy. Agree oh, with you that God. it is one of the most unique voices in television comedy that ha- ever graced the screen. Mm-hmm. So you absolutely uh, had uh, much to do with that. Um, (laughs) I don't know how you are able to just like have so much ice cream at will in your mansion (laughs) in Bali um, because it's kind of a remote area. I don't know if you're churning your own, but certainly you have ample if Amazing. not endless supplies of all manners of ice cream, <laughs> up to and including chunks and caramel swirls. Thank um, you. This feels like to me it's going to come in handy. Um, 
and and listen by the way the whole thing about christina ricci being your nemesis i mean i, I know that she's a huge <laughs> fan of yours she consider she actually considers you a, men, a nemesis because she feels like oh right. julia prescott oh always she's so talented she's always getting those roles <laughs> i want um and i don't know how she feels about this but i i heard a rumor and it's just a rumor and i don't want you to feel threatened because as you know you're just nemeses uh respectful nemeses but she too uh had an interest in your romantic partner (gasps) whom you can climb like a tree (gasps) adam driver (laughs) yes (laughs) i won 2020 (laughs) that's right that's right meanwhile someone's googling like wait christina ritchie was yeah i've I've started an (laughs) accidental rumor that christina ritchie is interested in adam driver that's based on nothing Nothing. Nothing well, except the Smash game. It's, uh, it's because yeah, she's yeah. living in, in um, also this she's, time. That's right. That's absolutely right. Uh, she has eyes. Okay. Uh, so that, my friend, is uh, is your mash Amazing. results. Uh, I think you have some wonderful things to go off and celebrate. Um, and and I thank you so much for doing the podcast, Julian. Thanks again oh for gosh. connecting this and making this happen remotely as I am up in San Francisco for Sketchfest and you are in the Maximum Fun office and recording studio. Um, I am very excited to meet you in person. I expect invitations to every single one of the cool things oh that you just gosh. mentioned that you're up to. You got it. This has been such a Great. pleasure. I, I'm been, it's such a treat. And uh, yeah, I look awesome. forward to in-person hangs. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.